Ben Hatcher. What's up, my guy? Hey, buddy. How are you? Fantastic. So I had to share this before we jump into the podcast and learn all about who Stephen Hatcher is. Minerals guy. The infamous Stephen Hatcher. I had a dream last night. I have dreams almost every night and they're pretty vivid these days. That's for a different conversation. But last night I actually had a dream. I don't know if it's because I was like anxious about this podcast, hadn't done a recording in a couple of weeks, but I had a dream that I was doing a podcast and the guest was Johnny Damon. You know who Johnny Damon is? Yeah. Baseball player. Baseball player. Right. Yeah. Red Sox legend played on the Yankees, played on a bunch of teams. And we were like 20 something minutes into it. And he's like, that's it. That's it. I got to go. This wasn't great. And I was so bummed out about it. And I woke up and I felt like it was real. Like, man, was that really my worst podcast? And it was Johnny Damon. Anyways, you're not Johnny Damon, but you are a fun guy. I'm not. Just like that Johnny Damon. <laughs> Just like Johnny Damon was a fun guy. Um, but, you know, really wanted to have you on here today because you and I have known each other for a little while. When I met you, you were working at Sklar yep. Exploration out of Boulder, one of the few. What was the name the of that Mexican joint that we used to go eat burritos at? Efren's. Efren's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was my first. That, that was like uh, you were at Petro DE. Yes. Yeah, I think you actually sold us. We actually bought the software. You did. A great piece of software that, for a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's the, that's the first... Uh, that's the first interaction that we had. And then, and then, you know, the small world that is oil and gas, we came to realize that we knew a bunch of the same people. And then we lived like a quarter of a mile away from each other. Yeah. Until you decided you didn't want to be a suburbs guy. Yeah. I had to get out of Boulder County. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to know a little bit about you. We'll talk about minerals guy. One of your many ventures that you have going on. Uh, it seems like, you and I are are typically getting together to commiserate over all the different businesses we have, trying to manage family and work and, and all that fun stuff. But I, I want to introduce the audience to you, like your upbringing. I know you went to law school, like how you ended up in Colorado. Give us the full download on who Stephen Hatcher is. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was reading this question and thinking, who, who is Stephen Hatcher? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Right. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, Stephen Hatcher. Uh, so, I grew up in a small town outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, my dad was from Baton Rouge. Um, his family, uh, his family hailed from Clinton, Louisiana, which is um, you know about an hour outside of Baton Rouge. My mom uh, hailed from Central Louisiana, and she is a a good Southern Louisiana Cajun Kunas, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a half redneck, half Cajun is what I call it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, both my, my, my parents' families were, you know, um, in Louisiana. I, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, my grandpa passed last year and I went down and I was going through a bunch of pictures with my, with my grandmother. And, uh, she actually showed me this picture of the hatchers in Clinton, Louisiana, that was taken in like 1907 and it looked like they, I mean, they were all dressed. It was like an old timey photo. They were all dressed in, you know, Sunday best and probably had to stand there for, you know, 30 minutes, <laughs> one grainy photo, but they were standing in like a, it looked like a Creek bed. 
or like like the the you know basically like so that they could they, the, you know all the adults were standing you know towards the top and you know all the kids at the bottom and and it was just really cool to you know uh it was really cool to kind of connect with my heritage right so that's 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 where i was born that's where i was raised um you know growing up i remember hot summers yeah, bad. Um, I remember wearing shorts on Christmas, most Christmases, um, crawfish at Easter, um, and LSU football. Right. So, of course. um, that's pretty, that, that, that's a lot of it. I come from a big family. I've got four siblings, um, who are now spread to the four winds. Um, one of my younger brothers actually lives out here now. He's getting ready to graduate from mines. Um, and so we've got some family out here, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Louisiana through and through. My wife is from Shreveport. Um, I went to LSU for undergrad. I went to LSU for a couple of years, three years to be exact. And then my parents had moved to Atlanta and they were like, why don't you come to Atlanta and finish your degree? And really? Screwed on straight. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved to Atlanta and finished up there. And then I came back for phase two LSU for law school. Um, and that went much better. Um, ended up uh, moving to Shreveport after after law school because uh, because of the Haynesville Shale. Um, I had a bunch of buddies that that had moved up to Shreveport after finishing undergrad that were all working as landmen, right? Uh, and uh, you know, I didn't have any it, no, no family in the industry, um, but I really went where opportunity was, right? So I was offered sure. a job with a with an awesome firm, and and those folks were really, really great to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I ended up in Shreveport. I met my wife within like the first three months of moving there. Uh, wow. and, uh, yeah, awesome community. Shreveport, Shreveport is fantastic. And I still have, uh, you know, a lot of folks that I keep up with that, that live there. So, uh, it's interesting. Uh, my mom lived, my mom still lives in Baton Rouge. My in-laws are in Shreveport and we go to Shreveport just as much as we go to South Louisiana. So, um, so yeah, um, was dating a girl, got a job offer to move out to Colorado. And, uh, I, we call it my, our, our pit stop. I, I made a pit stop in Shreveport, met my wife and then, and then we moved out here and, and really, you know, started our married life. And, 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 you know, that's when I, when I went in house for Squar and, and, you know, started my, my career, you know, not in the oil and gas because in, in law practice, that was, you know, 85% of our clients were, you know, oil and gas producers. But, um, yeah, we got two kids. Uh, we live uh, just north of Littleton in a little community. Uh, we love Colorado. Yeah. Um, we go back to Louisiana a couple times a year and, you know, we love the people and the food, but we like the weather in Colorado. So, <laughs> We're not supposed to tell people about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Remember, it's snowy and cold all winter. It's freezing. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's funny because all my relatives and friends down in Louisiana, you know, anytime they come to Colorado, they only go to the mountains, right? So that's right. when they have a vision of where I live, they think I live at, you know, 10,000 feet. And it's, you know, feet of snow, you know, in the winter. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, Denver is, is very mild. It's as, sun, it's as sunny as San Diego here, but that's the, uh, that's the big secret. So yeah. you, 
you started off as a lawyer, right? But we're working a lot in oil and gas. So you understood how to read contracts. You understood land. Obviously, you understood minerals. Were you working for Sklar, which which has assets in what? The Black Warrior Basin? and, um, and- So Gulf Coast. Yeah, Sklar's assets were, were Gulf Coast. So Texas, really Texas all the way to Florida, right? Wow. If, if that makes sense. So Texas, Louisiana. Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida, and the corpus the corpus of the, of the company's assets were were in South Alabama and smack over. So the Black Warrior Basin was a, a coal bed methane play um, that got some action in the two thousands. But um, you know, really, uh, you know, the, the the corpus of what we did was was in the smack over in Norfolk formations, um, which is uh, really fabulous conventional production. Um, and when, when I joined Sklar, um, they had just discovered Brooklyn Field and were extremely active there. And, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. We, we did a lot of really, really cool projects. So you, were you working for Sklar in Shreveport initially? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll rewind, right? So Sklar was a big client of the firm, right? Okay. So, uh there was a relationship there that went back, you know, for, for a very long time. And, um, yeah. And so I had the opportunity, um, you know, to, to do some work and, and to meet, you know, a guy who would become my mentor and eventually my boss at Scalar. Um, and, but yeah, we did work for, you know, all sorts of producers in, in the Haynesville. Um, you know, mainly I worked on transactions. I tried to avoid the litigation stuff as, as much as I could. Sure. Um, but did a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, um, you know, drilling in divisional or title opinions and, you know, oil and gas transactions and assignments. And, you know, one of the cool things about, you know, land and legal is that it really, it really, it really permeates, you know, um, it, it, you know, everything about, you know, the exploration for and production of oil and natural gas, right? So it's really the, the, the building blocks for how, you know, companies, um, you know, put put these lands together, right? So that they can they can go out there and drill wells, right? And so, yeah, I mean, mineral law was a was a, was a big a big portion of it, and I think I, I was drawn to to property law, and uh, it, when I was in school, and it did really well, and so it was a it was a it was a it was just a really natural fit, right? Once I actually started working for clients and I was like, wow, this is really, this is really cool. I really enjoy this. And, um, and, but, you know, one of the big transitions was when, you know, I made the jump to working for Sklar because I'd always been, you know, um, you know, when you're in private practice, you know, your clients give you, you know, um, you know, as, as much of the, uh, as much of the, the, the the facts as 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 you need right to to in order in order to give them you know uh, in order to provide them the, the best the best counsel right so um, what was really cool about going to work at Sklar right is is really kind of seeing like how these deals come together right mm-hmm. from an idea you know that a geologist or a geophysicist creates you know to you know um, you know putting leases together, right? And, you know, actually, you know, sending guys out into the field to go, you know, acquire grassroots leases to, you know, all of the deal work that goes into, you know, putting the capital together to actually be able to go out to drill wells, 
Mm. You know, and then the engineers coming in and designing a drilling program and a completion program and then turning the well over to production. And, you know, it's 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 pretty cool. And one of the things that I love the, about our industry is that uh, how do I describe it? It's like, you know, success in oil and gas comes at the intersection of multiple disciplines. Sure. Right. Right. It, and, and I think that that's really cool because it's uh, it, it really is a team. It's a team sport. Right. You've got you know, your geos that, that create these crazy ideas, right. Based on seismic or, you know, based on well control or, you know, whatever it is, right. Um, you know, all the way to the land guys that are putting the leases together and the engineers that are actually, you know, you know, drilling these, these, these little holes in the ground that, that extend, you know, miles upon end, you know, to the accountants and the finance guys that figure out how you're going to pay for all this stuff. It's, it's, it's really pretty awesome when you think about it. Yeah. It's like you've got an intersection of various different disciplines within the oil and gas company itself. And then also a little bit where, where I play on the technology side, right? What are the technologies a to optimize finding the asset, finding the rock, securing the lease, right? Uh, Looking at a map and knowing exactly where this is to the drill bit that goes down hole in the geo steer. Right. And, and that whole process all the way through to optimizing your lease operators, which well should they go to first, right? Versus just driving in a, in a square or a triangle every day because you're trying to mitigate, mitigate loss of production, yep. right? Increase revenue. And also, of course, avoid any sort of HSE related issues. Yeah. So, so I could imagine that for you coming from the legal side of things, there's a lot for you to balance and think about, which has sort of led to why you've taken over as like fundamentally a CFO for the company. Oh, that C- you CEO. So, yeah. oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> COO for the company that you work for today, which is actually a Bakken operator. You want to tell us a little bit about Pritchell Rich? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah. Um, so Pritchell Ridge is a is a, is an operating company. Uh, we operate assets up in the, the Williston Basin, uh, mostly conventional production, actually, um, which is where the majority of my experience on the operations side has been. It has been in the in the conventional space, and um, we we had an opportunity uh, myself, my partner here is a guy by the name of Tristan Farrell, um, to partner with an investor that um, was really you know they they were they were in trouble. Right in in 2020, right? Um, you know, a lot of bad things happened in 2020 <laughs> in oil and gas. Yeah, and um, you know, we 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 were able to to come in and uh, they they gave us a chance, right? We 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 put a put a business plan together and put it in front of them, and and uh, and what we've done over the past couple of years is we assembled a team um, and we've helped them to manage and clean up this asset that they owned. Um, with the goal of eventually, you know, monetizing it and helping them, helping them to create incremental value, um, and it's been it's been an awesome it's been an awesome experience. It really has. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we we operate about sixty wells, right? So we've got a we've got a staff here in Denver. We've got staff um, up in North Dakota, and um, man, North Dakota can be tough. Those winters are those winters are hard. <laughs> Yeah, coming from the south, you know, coming from Louisiana, you know, and coming from the Gulf Coast. I mean, it's a, it's a whole like when it was zero degrees here, 
you know, right around Christmas when that was cold, you know, kind of blew through the whole country, it was negative 40 in Williston. And, oh, you know, just nothing, nothing works, you know, or very few things work at negative 40. And, you know, you know, thankfully our team, our team did a really good job of getting through it. But, um, yeah, we're, 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 um, we're on the market and, um, we're hopeful that we will, we will sell, sell the asset here within the next, you know, uh, three to six months. So. Well, that's exciting. And we'll have to have you come back on if, and when that transaction ever does happen. But I, I'm curious now, cause you mentioned something that's, that's fascinating to me fundamentally. I haven't spent that much time out in the field. I do. I mean, except for the Permian, because like you've got offices that sit very close to wells and I guess California too, where you can't really avoid it if you go to Bakersfield and um, even LA County to an extent, but, but like the true remote field operations, what happens when it gets to 40 below? Like, <laughs> like how do, how do you function? How does it function? Like I know some of this stuff can work on its own, I guess, once you're in yeah. production, but things still go wrong. Things shut down. Like, how do you get out to the asset? How do things happen when it's 40 yeah. below? Well, you, you got to have a, a really good field team. I'll tell you that. Right. And guys that are willing to go and run these routes when it's 40 below. And for us, you know, when blizzards are rolling through, I mean, it's, it, it is very much, you know, um, a safety focus, right. First and yeah. foremost, you know, our guys need to take care of themselves. Right. Um, and they need to make sure that they're not putting themselves at risk, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, um, the, the, the main thing that you want to do is keep all the wells pumping, right. Because right. if the wells will stay pumping, right. Then the, the, all sorts of bad ha- things happen when, when the wells get shut in for one reason or another, when it gets that cold. But, uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a it, it's a different it's a different ball game when when you're talking about you know cold weather operations. Um, so, and it's it's not just North Dakota, right? I mean, you look at like Alberta as well. I'm sure they're yeah. used to dealing with this, and they're even colder than that for more of the year. So there's probably a playbook out there, but it's just crazy to me that you know, like I, I get how things can happen in the Permian Basin when it gets too hot when it gets to be 130 degrees, like sure, there could be some challenges, but when it gets that cold and it's a health risk to even expose your skin, yeah. right? It, it requires a different type of, of individual to A, be willing to go out and do it. And then B, be outside and solving problems at the wellhead, which yeah. are inevitably going to happen because yeah. of that cold weather. No, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and it all just comes down to you know, the, the, the team that you have in the field and those guys are just, they're just built different. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. There's no question about it. Guys like you and me can sit in the back office, the comfort of all the, uh, heat. Yeah. you know, I, 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 I try to get up there about once every six weeks. Okay. Uh, just to, you know, cause I, I, you know, there, that, that's, that's one of the, the, the things that, you know, that we, we don't want is edicts coming from Denver. You know, like any any lease operator that is working in the Williston Basin, you know, that is the last thing that they want to come down. Right. So it's all about it's just it's just managing. It's just managing your guys and just making sure that they have the tools that they need to be successful. And, you know, just just listening to them and hearing, you know, because, I mean, what they do is very difficult. Right. And we, we it's very easy to take for granted when I'm sitting in, you know, when I'm sitting in an office, you know, here in Denver, Colorado. So totally. 
Yeah, that's that's always been a fascinating part of of oil and gas to me, right? You've got people sitting in these beautiful buildings, right, with, with mountain views or sitting on the 52nd floor telling people what to do that are out in the field in negative temperatures. So it could create a very detrimental dichotomy. But obviously showing your face out there and providing them with all the tools that they can survive seems to be a big deal. I want to talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned old, you know, like vertical wells, right? Traditional production. When a company like Pritchell Ridge sells their asset, are you just selling the existing production or are you also selling the asset and the company with the idea that someone will come in and drill horizontal wells? in the same acreage or like, how does that work? Well, it depends. It depends on, on, on what you have and, and, and what exactly it is that you're selling. Right. So yeah, I mean, the, 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 the answer is that, yes. I mean, you can sell if, if you, if you own rights, right. To, um, to, to the shale zones, right. The Bakken, um, then certainly, yeah, you, you can sell that. I mean, there's, there's a thousand different ways to skin that. Right. Um, there are, you know, large companies, you know, you know, historically, you know, what happened is, you know, as all of the organic leases and existing production all got gobbled up, you know, by the, the big guys that control that, that control the shale plays, which you'll oftentimes see is a is a divestiture of, of all of the older stuff, right? Of all of the, you know, kind of pre-shale, whether it's, you know, kind of gen one horizontal, you know, um, um, you know, or, you know, older vertical type production, right? And so there are different different companies, right, that look, you know, there are the shale guys and there are guys that that look to drill, you know, unconventional wells, produce, operate unconventional wells. And there's a whole nother realm of folks, right, that play in the vertical space. Um, so, you know, folks that are that, that are buying assets just for, you know, kind of pure PDP blowdown, what is, is, is a term that you would use to just buy, you know, buy a stream of cash flows from a, from a producing asset, you know, uh, and, and guys that are, that are buying stuff and looking at it and saying, Hey, you know, um, you know, this field was being developed and then shale happened and everybody forgot about it. So we see opportunity to come in here and, and drill additional mm. vertical wells. So another question, cause this is just really interesting stuff to me is the most likely acquirer of an asset or a company like a Pritchell Ridge, somebody that has contig- contiguous acreage, or does it really just vary? Like, cause to me, it would make sense if I already have a field office and I already have guys and a team and feel familiarity with how to operate in cold weather conditions or mountainous conditions that we'd be more interested in buying what you have than somebody who's say, you know, operating in, in the Haynesville shale. Oh, 100%. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 all about you know economies of scale, you know, which is kind of what you were just describing, right? And and uh, yeah, I mean, have the you know the, the the folks that are that are interested in you know buying a particular asset are the folks that already own assets in that area. I think is is kind of what you're getting at. But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are folks that look for opportunities, you know, sure. across the lower forty eight, you know, that that are going to be opportunistic and, and, and they're, they, of course, if they think that they can buy it and they believe in the deal, then they'll enter a new basin. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, um, you, 
you know, the, the, the folks that, that are interested in, in buying a deal are probably folks that have staff, they have wells in the area, right? It's just sure. a matter of adding wells to existing pumping routes. Um, that's a very natural fit. Yeah. Logical. So I want to talk about minerals guy. So yeah. a little, little bit of history on this, right? You and I were talking over the summer about various things, but one of them was you've kind of seen what I've, what I've done with funk futures and podcasting content creation, um, brand building and said, I have this idea. Right. And I really think that there's an opportunity for me here with my experience, with my expertise and full understanding of minerals, which I don't even full, fully understand to be completely transparent about it. And, well, and that, subscribe to my content, Jeremy. <laughs> and that you, and that you had an idea. So, so tell us like, where did minerals guy come from? And then of course, what is minerals guy? Yeah. Yeah. So the impetus for minerals guy, right? So a couple of things, right? Um, the way that people consume media has changed and it has changed forever. Right. So, um, you know, social media, good, bad, ugly, whether you like it, whether you hate it, it is, it is absolutely here to stay. Mm -hmm. Right. And these little things that we carry around in our pockets are how people get their news. It's how they communicate with friends and family. This is, you know, this is our entire lives are are on these devices. Right. And I mean, and and so that's the, that's the first piece. Right. And, you know, you use social media, um, you know, there, there are, it, it doesn't matter what industry you talk about, right. Whether you're talking about, tech, whether you're talking about real estate, whether you're talking about, you know, the, the, the medical field, right. There are, you know, there, there are so many outlets, right. Where people have said, you know what, I can use this device. I can use social media to reach and provide my expertise to people and here's the platform to be able to do it. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's the whole, the whole concept of the, the creator economy. Right. And um, or the influencer economy, whatever you want to call it, you know, and you you can you can love it or hate it, but it is very real. Right. Um, And so, I mean, that that is one piece of it. Right. And so just it's just the recognition that um, that, you know, social media is here and it's here to stay. It's things like podcasts. It's YouTube. It's crazy enough it's things like tiktok tiktok i knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can talk about tiktok here in a minute but, <laughs> but yeah i mean so really what i started looking at and, and and then the other concept is and i think that this is something that you'll resonate with and hopefully some of your listeners i heard a guy say uh, your biggest problem is not that you are not an expert in your given field right so your biggest problem is not that you're not an expert in your given field you are an expert Right. Your biggest problem is obscurity and that mm. no one knows who you are. Totally. Right. So just marinate on that for a second. Right. So I looked at it and I looked at, you know, because I consume, you know, on YouTube and Instagram and all totally. these different things. And I've got people that I follow, you know, for investment advice or for real estate or whatever it is. And I looked at oil and gas. Right. And I looked at, you know, minerals in particular where I have a lot of knowledge and expertise and I said, no one is doing this. Mm. There's nothing out there. 
There's, there's nothing out there. If I'm a mineral owner and I want to know, you know, about activity in my area, if I want to understand, you know, who should I be dealing with? What are red flags when, when people are calling me asking to buy, you know, how do I deal with land then? Um, how are minerals valued? Yeah. Right. What makes a mineral, what makes one mineral acre valuable? Right. And there's absolutely, you know, nothing out there. And so I just, I saw that and, and I really kind of felt like if I didn't do it, someone else would. Yeah. And that I would kick myself, you know, three or five years down the road, you know, for not, you know, taking a chance, you know. Uh, so that's really the, you know, that's, that's the story behind it. So what I did is I called this guy that I know named Jeremy Funk, who started recording <laughs> these podcasts. And I said, how do I do this? <laughs> and I said, talk to Nicole. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was really cool because when I started, um, when I started thinking about ideas for content, you know, I think I filled up a whole, you know, like multiple pages of notes, you know, inside of like 30 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the, the you know, I have valuable content that I can give, you know, to mineral owners and, you know, why, why not do it? So. And like to, to go back to that period of time, I think we, you and I had a bunch of conversations and it reminded me a little bit of when I was getting started with the podcast my first thought was, okay, is this going to create value for anybody? And then two is who's going to listen to this? What if this is a failure? And you asked me those same questions too. And the truth is like, well, if you do nothing, like it's, of course it's going to be a failure. Yeah. If you do something and and one or two or 10 or 20 people listen to you speak, right? Watch your videos and get value from it. Then how could you deem that a failure, right? It's, it's taking that first step and it's been really cool to see you take this first step and knowing that you have lots of other educational content, which is probably going to morph a little bit more into, you know, more of a business, I would guess at some point, but lots of really cool educational content that's going to put you out there as a subject matter expert in the mineral space, and then have people start coming to you to talk about minerals. You also made uh, a comparison that really stuck with me early on, because I was struggling to think about, okay, what is he talking about with this whole minerals thing? And you said, if you want to know what your house is worth, where do you go? I go, well, I just go to Zillow, right? Or I go to Redfin or whatever it is. You're like, you can't do that with minerals. Right. So somebody owns these minerals in a lot of cases, maybe they're inherited. They really have no idea what their minerals are worth. And that's they have no idea. They have no, no idea. I mean, there's a bunch of, you know, it's just, it, yeah, that, that was, a, believe me, I love that line. There's no Zestimate for your minerals. <laughs> I, I, I told that to my wife the first time and, and I just smiled. She was like, you just think you're so clever, but it's, it's, it's so true. Right. I mean, it's a, it, we're, and not that it's so overly complicated that 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 a that an average layman you know can't get their head wrapped around it. But yes, I mean there's no there's no one stop shop. There's no website that you can go to, you know, that's going to give you in, inside of thirty seconds the value of your mineral rights, right? So, you know, a lot of folks are, are relying on you know basically just a, a a multiple of cash flow type of a type analysis when they're selling, right? And so, you know, that can be good or that can be bad, right? If you're talking about, you know, conventional production or, you know, wells that, you know, a property that has been fully drilled, 
right? And you're sure. kind of down the down the the, uh, the 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 slope of the of the decline curve. Then a multiple of cash flow analysis makes sense. But you know, if you had one well drilled on your property, you know, in 2010, you know, for example, in Desoto Parish, right? And you sell for a multiple of cash flow at 60 months, then you are getting your face ripped off. There's mm-hmm. just absolutely, I mean, so it's, there's a lot of different factors that, that you really need to look at, right? Or that mineral owners should look at to make sure that they are getting fair value, right? And so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm going to bring, you know, and, 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 and frankly, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull back the curtain for folks and I'm going to be like, you know, here is how. I look at deals, right? Mm. Here's how I would assign value, right? And these are the things that you need to be thinking about, right? It's not just the wells that are in production that you're getting cash flow for, right? It's you can have a permit on your property, you know, or maybe you live out of state, right? You live in California, right? But you inherited minerals in Louisiana. You know, if a, if a mineral buyer calls you and you sell for, you know, 60 months of cash flow, but there's, you know, four ducks sitting on your property that are about to, that are, that are about to get fracked, then you were, you were giving away the farm. So it's yeah. the idea that, you know, the, the way that I believe that, you know, transactions should be conducted is, you know, folks should know, you know, they should go into it eyes wide open, right? With, with all of the factors on the table, right? And there's a lot of folks out there that, that, are, that are never sellers, they're, they're, they, you know, they, they, they don't want to hear it. They'll never sell. And that's all fine and good. But for all the people that are on the fence that look at it and they say, you know what, like I own minerals. This is great. This is an asset on my personal balance sheet. But you know what? I really care about doing something over here, right? How do those people make sure that they're getting fair value, right? And so that's, that's what I hope Minerals Guy will provide. And, and what I hope is that these folks will, will call me, you know? Um, so we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's a, it, it's going to be, you know, when I, when you told me this, you were like, you know, if you do it, you have to commit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, you know, create three videos and then, uh, and then hang it up. Cause it didn't work. You know, you got your feelings hurt cause you only got 10 views or whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's very like, I'm, I'm in it. You know, my goal is the 35 long form videos on YouTube. Um, this year, which I believe will help me get into the YouTube algorithm. And, and it's, it's really about uh, building momentum and hopefully it will start to flywheel through time. Um, as you know, basically I've got all these touch points across the internet, you know, people on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and my website, and blog, it's all these things that, you know, these search engines look at, right. Sure. And that's how they decide how to, how to rank, you know, how, you know, how far to the top you get. So my goal for minerals guy is that inside of the next 12 months, when you search minerals, sell minerals, how are minerals valued? My content is right there for people. Nice. So, well, I, I think you're well on your way and, and being consistent is a big, a big part of that. Cause I think I, I read somewhere, when I first started my podcast that like 85 or 90% of podcasts are eight to 10 episodes. So, and and I could really see how that would happen. Like I'm not making any money off of this. In fact, I'm investing time, which in my case is money. 
is this really worth it? You start to question it. You know, I could be doing other things, but it really is about being consistent. And I can already see with the amount of content that you've put out that you are consistent, which is, which is really, really cool and something I appreciate. And I know that you'll be successful with this because you're passionate about it. And that's the most important thing. You've also, Stephen, on another topic, been incredibly inspirational for me. Some people know this, certainly not everybody listening to this podcast is aware of this, but um, in late August, I decided to check myself into rehab. I felt like uh, some of my issues were getting out of control, especially with alcohol, and uh, have decided to commit to a life of sobriety. Now, I've been hesitant to talk about this, especially on this platform, but it is a big part of who I am and what I'm working through on a daily basis. And in that process of finding myself a path to sobriety, you've been quite an inspiration for me, Stephen, and just really wanted to share that. I appreciate that about you. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great way of life, you know. Um, you know, certainly it's something that, you know, every, every, everybody deals with, right. Um, in, in some form or another, whether it's a, you know, a, a family member or, you know, a friend, I mean, there's just, um, you know, for, for better or for worse. Right. I mean, it, 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 it touches on, you know, our lives and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, the well, let me start by saying this. Yeah. I mean, I've been sober for, you know, over 15 years. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy because when I got sober, I did not plan on staying sober this long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's crazy. I got sober when I was 21, you know, and, uh, I was shown this way of life and, um, you know, I've, I've built an incredible life. Right. And now I'm married and I've got kids and I've got, you know, all of these you know, really cool things that are, that are, that, that, that are happening, you know, in business. And, and it's just, it, my life is incredibly full. Right. And a lot of people look at me like I got three heads whenever, <laughs> whenever I tell them I'm sober, you know, most people don't even realize it, to be honest with you, because yeah. out, you know, and you get this too. Like if, if you're out, you know, I get a club soda and a lime and, you know, no one's the wiser, but every once in a while, you know, somebody, somebody figures it out. I mean, I don't know, man. It's a huge, it's a huge part of my identity. It's a, it's a, it's a big part of, of who I am as a man, as a husband, as a father. And, and uh, yeah, when you called me, you know, um, you know, what did I say? Welcome to the club. <laughs> We've been waiting for your entry. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's, it's awesome, man. I'm incredibly proud of, of what you're doing. And, and obviously like, uh, you know, um, you know, being, being open to speaking freely about, about it, you know, on a, on a podcast, is pretty crazy. And, you know, really the only reason that I do this, you know, is, is, you know, if we can reach one person out there, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? that, 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 you know, is struggling themselves or, you know, they, they know someone close to them that's struggling, you know, just to provide hope, right. That there's, that there's life on the other side of that. Right. And I yeah. think that was the hard thing for you is you were just like, I can't imagine my life with it. I can't imagine my life without it. And if you ever get to that place, you're totally screwed. 
<laughs> and that's where that's that's where I was, you know, candidly, and I didn't know what to do. But but in in our conversations, even when we weren't talking about sobriety whatsoever, what I noticed was, you know, Funk Futures does some marketing and shout out to Nicole Nixon. She's been doing a lot of the content creation, editing and so on and so forth for uh, Minerals Guy. She's absolutely fantastic. Probably the best that there is and really fortunate. You're fortunate to be able to work with yes, her. And I, I'm really fortunate. Thank you, Nicole. <laughs> right? And I'm fortunate um, that I can refer projects over to her. But when somebody comes to us and says, yeah, we, we want to engage you guys for some marketing help. We come back with sort of a, a series of questions and then we set up an introductory call and nobody actually answers those questions for the record, but you did. <laughs> you, you answered them in really great detail. And, and the, the, the gear started to churn for me. You were so prepared for that meeting. And I was thinking, this is different. How does this guy have it? And it's like, we talked about it afterwards. I was like, how the hell are you so prepared? You said, well, sobriety is a cheat code. And yeah. in the last five months, you know, I've kind of learned that about myself too, that I think a lot of what I was trying to do and, you know, losing Tim, of course, was really, really hard for me. And I'm not going to make any excuses, but um, it, it started to help me down a path that was not necessarily the most positive. And what I wanted to do was just check out, right? Yeah. I, I didn't want to face life because I wasn't happy with how a lot of things were going. And I didn't want to deal with some of the more recent pain um, and even some of the longer term pain that I'd experienced in my life. And in sobriety, you feel a lot of those things more, right? You feel and all of it. You feel all of it. And, and that's yeah. been heavy and difficult for me, but really the only way is, is through because yeah. the other paths are effectively, they were just delaying my inevitable pain, right? And, ma and maybe yeah. even making some of that pain worse but it really kind of hit me when I was, I don't know, it was probably about four months after Tim had passed, ju just how much that really hurt. Like I knew that it hurt at the time and, and um, you know, being at his funeral and all that stuff was, was terrible. Um, but I was more comfortable numbing myself out and not feeling it. And, yeah. and I don't think I'm the only person that deals with their struggles or has dealt with struggles by doing that. But then finally, when I had a little bit of clarity, I was like, oh man, this still hurts. And maybe it's always going to hurt. And um, that's part of life, man. That's part of growth. And, and it's not always going to be comfortable. Um, but I've seen growth in myself as a, as a man, as a businessman, and, and more importantly, as a, as a father. You know, I don't know if you saw on LinkedIn today, I threw a post out there. My son turned five today, which is like a really great, it's a big deal. Man. A big yeah. deal. You know, you've got yeah. young sons. And, yeah. and for me, it was like, you know, it's, it's a chance to reflect on the past few years and how excited I am, hopefully, to continue setting a good example for him and just show that, like, even though it's the societal norm yeah. to lean in very heavily to, to alcohol and have it be a social thing, it doesn't have to be like that for everyone. And maybe it is for some people and they can live just fine. But for me, um, it was just a means to escape and particularly escape some of my problems and the problems are still there. They don't go away. You just face them head on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I mean, it's, it's definitely the, the, the past, the path less traveled. Right. And, um, you know, but, you know, I can't imagine my life any other way, to be honest with you. 
you know, because I, I, I built a life, you know, you know, that is really incompatible with alcohol. Right. Right. Every, everybody that knows me, you know, knows that I'm sober. Um, you know, my sons have never seen me drink. Yeah. Um, my wife has never seen me drink. Um, and wow. you know, for, for, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like when I, when I, I didn't just get sober because, um, uh, you know, cause life was going great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what do they say? Like <laughs> nobody gets sober on a winning streak. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I made it to a, a, a pretty, a pretty dark place. Same. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, and, and I know it in, in some ways just because of family history and, you know, um, you know, what we know about, you know, alcoholism and, you know, drug addiction and things like that, that, you know, there are a lot of yets for me. Right. I mean, yeah. so I, ch- I, I choose this life of sobriety, you know, because it's really the only way that, that, that I know how to live. I mean, I got sober when I was a kid, you know, I learned, I learned how to live in sobriety. You know, and so I know that I've got a lot to lose today, right? And um, there are just, you know, so many things. Like the, the the way that I think about it is, you know, you know, my God, my higher power didn't put me on this planet to go through life having to use alcohol and drugs to cope, right? Mm. That's not that's not what that 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 was. I don't believe in my heart of hearts that that was intended as part of the human experience. Right, that people would have to do that, right, in order to get through life, right. And if you, and, and for anybody listening, like if you're if you're at the point where you know, you know that 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 is that's where you out you're at, and and you relate to that, just know that I mean, like there there is another path, right. And it's a beautiful life, you know. It really it really is. Yeah. Well. I'm I'm getting excited just hearing you talk kind of like I did when, when I first went down this path, but you know, just wanted to thank you, Stephen, for being an inspiration for me, yeah. um, for kind of showing what, what it could be like, um, to live this way. And, you know, I'm heading to Nape. I think this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. should come <laughs> out. <laughs> spring break hashtag Landman spring break. Yeah, <laughs> going to. Yeah. Great. Great. There goes my streak. No, yeah. But I mean, I I've been, been thinking about it. And if you asked me four months ago, I would have said I shouldn't go to this event. And now I've just started to build in habits and patterns and behaviors in my life that I'm really not anxious or concerned at all. In fact, I'll probably have my most productive nape and still stay out as late as I did at previous events. So I'm almost excited to embrace this experience besides it being like you said, landman spring break and being a big, uh, a big booze fest, which it had been for me in the past too. Oh, yeah. and I'm certainly yeah. not alone. Um, in all that, but Steven final thoughts, uh, really appreciate you coming on, especially getting deep with us here over the past dozen minutes or so, but where can people find minerals guy, minerals guy content, yep. you, all that stuff. Yeah. So I, that's the first thing that I did when I came up with this idea as I, as I went and got all the handles. So, uh, yeah, obviously mineralsguide.com, you know, check us out. Um, you know, the, the, the primary long form content is on YouTube. It's youtube.com, uh, at minerals guy. So you, you, you can find us on there if you search us there. And then, uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about TikTok, but TikTok is nuts, dude. 
it's absolutely bananas. Just as far as how many views and touches? Well, it's just like Russian roulette. I can't even really, I don't even really like using it because you just don't know what you're going to get, you know, in, in terms of like the next video that's going to pop up. But sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the number of views, um, you know, I've actually, I've got more people that have, have followed on, on TikTok than, than all the other platforms combined. But um, anyhow, yeah, you can find us across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, really all of the above. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to anybody that's out there listening, yeah, please, please go watch the content. Yeah, give us a like. You know, it's, if you subscribe on our YouTube channel, that is like so incredibly helpful to us just because it helps us to get, you know, the content in front of more folks. It's just a, it's a blend of likes and subscribes. And that's just how all these algorithms work. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find us. Well, it's, it's interesting stuff. It's fascinating. And I look forward to finding the uh, Mestimate. Minerals estimate <laughs> on the minerals. <laughs> yeah. Call it something else. Yeah, I'll have to come up with a. With, oh, that's a estimate, royalty <laughs> estimate. A estimate. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, anybody, and, and here's the deal too. Anybody, reach out to me direct. You know, um, Stephen at mineralsguy.com. You know, I, you know, it, it, on on anything, anything having to do with minerals, anything having to do with sobriety, like whatever. Like, I'd love to hear from, from many of you. Um, and yeah, this is an awesome outlet, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. My man, Hatcher has hatched. Minerals guy. <laughs>